Good morning, everyone. Uh, I promised that I would talk today about building with round wood um, because someone said that they are not a builder yet, but they are interested particularly in this type of building. Um, And I've done a number of them over the years. I've learned a lot of little tricks, and I thought I'd share them here. Obviously, this is just the way that I've found to do it. It is also not how you would build with round wood if you were building like a house or something bigger where you'd need bigger timbers. This is specifically for sort of small structures, small shelters, sheds, that sort of thing where you essentially need a roof, um, but you don't need it to be um, much more than that. But in my own life, I've I've found that these sorts of auxiliary shelters are super helpful. We have them for woodsheds. We have them for um, our haymow. We have them for uh, where I store my logs. Um, and it's just a nice, it's, a, it's an upgrade from covering something with sheet metal and weighing that down with, with wood or covering something with a tarp. It's a significant upgrade from that. Part of what makes it possible is having corrugated sheet metal. If you didn't have corrugated sheet metal, use stuff kicking around. The cost of buying shingles or rolled roofing might be too much. Actually, what you could do, and it wouldn't have quite as much, what you would probably find it easiest to do then would be to use the corrugated um, polycarbonate roofing that you can get. That's probably the cheapest roofing material if you have to actually buy it. Hold on, I answer the phone. That was my mom calling to check on me uh, because I went to bed at 7.30 last night. I was um, just almost out of it by dinner time. I was so tired because it turns out that the work that goes into building this sort of shed, if you do it all in one day, all by yourself, is a significant amount of work. And I was really tired, (laughs) which is funny because when I finished, I didn't feel completely tired, but then... Yeah, I think I just hadn't eaten quite enough. At any rate, so I went to bed at 7.30, woke up at 5. Feel much better now. Um, So corrugated sheet metal is really helpful because it has some, uh, it provides some racking strength. So, which you won't get from the corrugated, uh, the corrugated polycarbonate to the same degree, um, meaning it'll prevent the whole thing from sort of twisting, the twisting motion. Here's here's how I go about building these. I use three fasteners. Timber locks, which is a type of drivable lag screw that is the significant sort of holding power of things. Sometimes I use common nails, large common nails for elements. And and then I use for the roofing, I use the self-tapping screws that can be driven right through metal um, that have a little neoprene washer around them. Although it's not important, as we'll discuss later, to have the neoprene washer. The self-tapping part is the important part. 
when I want to build something like this, I figure out how many large posts I'm going to need and how many other pieces. And then I just go out and start cutting trees. It's ideal if I can cut saplings in uh, early spring like this because they haven't had a chance to pull up much sap from the ground. So they're relatively dry. If you can do it in the wintertime, so much the better. Um, if, if you are getting going in the summertime and that's when you can do it, great. You know, it's less ideal, but it's just fine. Um, for a variety of reasons, I find myself doing most of these sorts of building projects in the spring. Um, so it tends to work out in that regard. When I'm cutting trees, I am, first of all, if I can swing it to get cedar posts, which cedar is fairly rare around me, but if I can get it, then I want it because it is the most rot resistant. It'll last the best. Um, I have built with cedar fence posts that I was able to get from a, a garden place for a couple things. But sometimes those can be hard to find. Um, sometimes I've been able to get cedar trees uh, off of my own land. But there's a limited supply of those. I tend not to use full-on locust, black locust posts for the actual frames of things. Well, sometimes I do, but in general, I tend not to because black locust uh, can be very hard and difficult to drive the lags into, depending on how big it is and how old it is and how dry it is. Um, the goal is to have to be using sort of fairly wet, soft wood that you can drive these lags into easily. And if you need to back them out in the future, it's not you're not going to break the lag. Um, I do try to use black locust, which around me is the most rot resistant wood for footers in the ground. And here's an important detail, which is that I, I separate the post from the footer so that if the footer rots, I can uh, replace it without having the post rot. And I think it, that makes a big difference to have a, a nice black locust footer. It doesn't need to be Big diameter depends on sort of how permanent you want the structure to be. The more permanent you want the, th the structure to be, the larger diameter black locust I would use because the larger it is, the more rot resistant it is. It's sort of you get above a certain size and it's all the same rot resistance, but certainly the younger wood, the smaller diameter wood is less rot resistant. But for instance, for this woodshed I just built yesterday, I used fairly small diameter stuff because that's what I had and that's what made sense. And if it rots in... 10 years, I really don't care. I'll, I'll build a new one. Um, so the point is to separate what's happening in the ground from what's happening to the, uh, the post. And you do that by having them be two separate pieces and having the bit in the ground be more rot resistant. And that way you can get away with using, you know, maple ash, birch posts i've done done beach um any number of species will work fine um 
birch I would probably stay away from, honestly, unless you're willing to debark it. If you're willing to debark it, then great. Um, <clears throat> but otherwise, it's it has the potential to hold too much moisture and rot rather than cure. So I put the footers in the ground. The ground can be all over the place. And it doesn't really matter because what I'm going to do is sort of build everything and, and get everything level and plumb as I build it rather than pre-cut pieces. So you have two alternatives. You can either sort of get the uh, sort of basement level sort of perfectly plumb and square and everything and then use measurements off a tape measure to sort of have equal components that then build off of that which is what you would do for any larger structure like my shop or a house or anything like that. But for something like this, in many ways, it, it is more efficient and more realistic to simply build everything by eye and just make sure that certain things are plumb and certain things are roughly level. And that way you can accommodate the wiggles in the wood and the sort of weirdness in the gradient of the land more more easily. So in this case, my woodshed was built on a sloping bit of ground. So I just stuck the footers in where they were and then, and then built the posts up. And then I sort of created a level floor off of those four posts. And I created the roof with the angles I wanted off of those four posts without needing to make sure that they were all the same length or anything like that. The way I attach the posts to the footers is simply by toe nailing, or in this case, I'm using the timber locks, the drivable lags, driving them down at an angle through the post into the footer. And I do two for each, and that tends to be enough for smallish diameter stuff to be able to step away from it and not have it topple over. I don't want it to have a completely... Um, Uh, mismatching surface between the post and the footer, right? So if one is at a super sharp angle, that's not ideal. But I don't spend a great deal of time making sure that the angle of them is perfectly matched up. Um, and I will leave the footers loose in their holes, more or less, so that the footer and the post can be manipulated so that I'm not trying to Essentially, the footer and the post can become one unit that then sort of is tilted within the ground at whatever angle makes sense to have the post then be as vertical as possible, if that makes sense. So I don't, I, I sort of pack them in loosely, but I'm not trying to like completely hold the footer in place and then build on top of it. The footer's in the ground, everything, you know, I essentially meld the footer and the post together and then I treat them as one unit that can then be sort of shuffled around and wiggled around until they're they're plumb. So first I get the posts in, and then I will put in the the sort of the I'm not sure what you call it, the top plate, the stringer, whatever you call it, that you then lay the rafters across. And as I'm doing that, I am uh I'm essentially trying, so basically I, I get one started 
while the the long end of it is lying on the ground. And then I lift the other one up and I get the second side sort of as plumb as I can and pack it in a little bit. And then I go back to the first one. And if it isn't plumb, then I then I back the, the bolt out and I try and get that post plumb as well. So I don't fuss over getting the first post plumb until it's everything's up in the air. And then I repeat that for the other side. And then I start laying the rafters across. And the rafters, I tend to... Um, well, it depends on the size of the pieces and the size and the size of my timber locks. If the timber locks are going to stick up a significant amount, then I will. What did I do? Oh yeah, the rafters. I actually drive. I think going straight up through the stringer into the rafters so that the, the timber lock is actually upside down. And if it pokes out through the top a little bit, as long as it doesn't poke out beyond the level that the purlins, which go across the rafters, the thickness of that, then it won't affect the roofing at all. So it's a nice, simple way to be able to be down below sort of getting these rafters into place. And I'll also try and get some angle braces on those upright posts to really sort of start locking everything in. And then I'll do an, uh, sort of X's of saplings across the sides and the back of the shed structure to really start bracing in the, the frame. And, and then I'll lay this, the, the purlins or stringers across and that's going to be what the roofing goes down to. And those I'll do straight down. And if they come through the rafters in a way that's sort of poking out, uh, what I've done in the past where it's sort of been dangerous, like low enough that it's been dangerous to my head, is I'll take a, a cork or a half a cork and I'll just screw it on to the end of the screw that's sticking out. And that will prevent me from skewering my head on it. I did that in our bike shed and it worked great. Um, what else? What other little details are there? Because you're working with wiggly material, there is an opportunity to um, to try and put sort of the the to try and even out the wiggle by how you place them, where which end you put the fatter end, which end you put the thinner end. And I've tried multiple things. I've tried alternating. I've tried other things. I think ultimately it's just going to come down to standing back as excuse me as far away as you can from it and trying to see if you if you were to end for end uh, a sapling, would it help the whole thing be more regular or not? And there's a certain amount of that that just is you know you have to sort of go for. I also, um, for this shed, because it slopes away, I made a floor. So I had sort of saplings running across roughly level, and then I just uh, nailed some 2x4s across at intervals. Not trying to get the 2x4s totally tied in next to each other, which allowed me to sort of work around the existing knots and branch junctions that were in the, the upper surface of the log. And so those gaps are really helpful because you can sort of 
fit you know align it so that the gap is right where you would have to saw something down to flush anyways i'm realizing that a lot of this is going to be sort of hard for people to visualize unless you're doing it but hopefully enough of it is is helpful so now i've got a, a essentially a framework that's all bolted together um the the x's on the sides and the back i tend to nail and the floor I tend to nail, but everything else is timber locks, um, which is nice because it means that if you ever want to dismantle it or you ever want to adjust it, it's easy to adjust. So for instance, I'm looking at the shed right now and I realize that if on the left-hand side of it, as I'm looking at it, if I unscrew the top plate from the post in the back and lower it just a smidge and I unscrew it from the top plate on the front and I try and raise it just a smidge, you know, an inch or two, that the whole thing will look significantly more aligned on that side. And I can do that because it's timber locks. Um, and so there's a certain amount of massaging that you could do later on. Here's another trick that's, that's valuable. If you are putting up something like the uh, the X braces or anything that's fairly small diameter, the, the, the diagonal bracing on each post uh, that keeps everything square. Make those, you can either pre-drill them to keep them from splitting, or what I've found is faster is to simply leave them long and screw or nail them in and then cut them to length and because they didn't split because there was so it would have taken so much force to split the much longer piece because they didn't split they tend not to split once you saw them short because the material is not split so uh, that's one way to sort of get around having the ends of the sticks split on you as you go to screw them into place or nail them into place is to leave them long and then trim them once they're in place. So then I clamber up on top and I start laying the sheet metal. And here's the tricky thing is that the, the sheet metal needs to be screwed into the stringers, but because the stringers are wiggly sticks, it makes it difficult to tell where they are. So there's a certain amount of trial and error of drilling a hole and you miss and you look in the hole and you try and see is it on this side of the hole or on that side of the hole and then you readjust and probably about two-thirds of them I nail the first time and the rest either takes me a couple tries so there's a couple holes in the roof it's not the end of the world if it was a real structure you would fill those holes uh, with a, a fresh screw and a neoprene washer but if it was a real structure you'd be going into a subroof anyways you know and under under layer of boards or plywood and so it wouldn't be an issue it wouldn't happen but when you're doing these sort of open lattice stick structures there's some extra holes in the roof one trick that is really helpful is to flip the sheet metal upside down so that any old holes where there was a nail hole that punched down through and created these little flanges is now the flanges are now sticking up and what that means is the flanges funnel any water that's rolling down the roof it funnels it around the hole so unless a raindrop actually drops in through the hole it's not going to come down through the roof now the couple of holes that you do drill to try to figure out where you should put the screw yes those are going to funnel water in but um, it's a minor minor concern 
for the sort of storage that I use these for. So once you get the sheet metal down, um, really that's the time to go back around and sort of double up all of the main connection points with a second lag bolt so that there's two for each. And I wait to do it until now because if you need to adjust by sort of undoing a lag bolt and shoving something up or down, it's helpful to have it just be one that you have to undo. Um, but once you get everything aligned the way you want, you double up the lag bolts and then you are good. One of the things that will make life a lot easier for putting on the roof is if you use two by fours for it. I didn't done this one, but on my big um, woodshed, I did use two by fours because I had enough extra two by fours. And that makes it significantly easier to um, to figure out exactly where they are because they're perfectly straight. And you don't need to hit the sort of, if you hit it anywhere on the width of the 2x4, it'll grip. Whereas with the using saplings for purlins, uh, you kind of need to hit the center of the sapling. So there's less room for error. What else? I think these little structures are great. You know, I, I spent 30 bucks and about eight hours of my time, including driving around getting getting some supplies um, yesterday building this and it, it is going to serve me for years. And when it comes time to take it apart and redo it, I can burn the, the wood or use the bits of wood for other purposes and save all the lag bolts. And it really, you know, it's a nice way to build something fast and cheap that isn't just going to be sort of, um, it's not going to rot away the way it would if you built something with plywood. Um, so I'm a big fan and I hope this helps. If you have any questions about this, uh, feel free to reach out. Oh yes. Two other points. One is obviously you want sort of the posts and then the, 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 the beams running across the posts to be the heaviest parts of the structure and then the rafters next, and then the purlins the lightest. So I tend to harvest trees, keep as long a length as I possibly can, and then sort of chop them up from the bottom up as I go along and see how much I can get out of each tree before I then go harvest another tree. Um, so I tend to harvest as many trees as I need posts and then see where I'm at and then harvest smaller trees if I need more than that because... That's the most efficient use of materials. And if you want to take a woodland and make it uh, grow material that is better suited for you, you can take small saplings, take a pair of hand clippers, and just bend them over and snip off all the branches except for the center stuff. And as they grow, they will grow sort of much straighter and with fewer branch junctions, um, making better building material for yourself down the road. That's it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Talk tomorrow.